welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi guys, I'm Jim. I'm the Leicester City representative for the EPL Roundtable. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jim Knight 88 uh, hi, I'm Gittas Willen. I am the representative from the Jackcast, the uh, number one Swansea City podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at the Jackcast. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys. Up first, of course, we have Making the Rounds, where we each have a few minutes to discuss what's been happening at our clubs this week. We'll start off with you, Jim. No news really around just Leicester top of the table. Yeah, it's getting uh, it's boring and repetitive these days <laughs> to hear that. But no, it's... Um, it's been good. It's been a while since I've been on. Um, but yeah, since that, we beat Swansea 3-0, which obviously was the end of Gary Monk's tenure in charge there. Um, it was a pretty solid performance. We did ride our luck a little bit. Um, we were quite clinical in the chances that we had, but the second goal was definitely offside. Um, and Jamie Vardy didn't score a goal. That's probably the main headline out of that, um, as well as Mares scoring his first career hat-trick as well. Um Swansea did hit the post several times and, you know, we kind of looked a little bit shakier at the back than we have done in recent recent games at times. But they they were obviously throwing caution to the wind based on the fact there were a couple of goals down. Um, yeah, kind of top of the league and just hoping for no injuries and stuff to come out of this week's training ahead of quite a, quite a big game against Chelsea on Monday night, which is, is going to hopefully be quite a spectacle at the King Power because we don't get many Monday night games. So hopefully the atmosphere will be even more electric than it is on a kind of Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I saw an interesting stat from the weekend, which was of the top 10 teams, only three picked up all three points. Leicester, top of the table, Arsenal, and Watford in 10th. Everyone else dropping points, Leicester pulling out uh, a little bit further ahead. Some articles coming out saying that sixth is the lowest you could finish based on your current points tally. As a Leicester fan, what are you eyeing come the end of the season? I think I have to revise my prediction of this every time I come on because when I first <laughs> no. came on at the beginning of the season, I say Not 17th, <laughs> 17th, 40 points. And then I keep saying 17th, 40 points. But we've now got 33, I think, 32, 33. <laughs> um, so it's kind of now starting to become obvious that we're going to go way past that mark of 40 points and we're going to start looking upwards towards where we can finish. I would still be absolutely just beside myself with with excitement if we got into the Europa League, Um, purely because for a club of our size, I mean, we're a medium-sized club. We're not a, a really, really small club, but and we do have good infrastructure and things, but for us to be away from the big time for so long, especially for people of my generation who maybe came through watching us win um, win um, Worthington Cups, as it was back then. So what is now the Capital One Cup, the League Cup? Um, we won that. We got to another final. Um, we had a few kind of exciting playoff victories. And then for us to drop out of the top tier, drop into the, the third tier for a season as well, um, and have to go through all that, working our way back up uh, and be away from the Premier League for a decade, you know, just to be competing with the likes of Manchester City, Arsenal, uh, Liverpool on a, on a weekly basis is fantastic. But to, to to think that one day, you know, soon we might be going away to, you know, Spain and France and Azerbaijan and wherever else they send you <laughs> in the Europa League is um, 
It's pretty exciting. I'd, I'd be absolutely over the moon with that. Like I say, I don't think we can class the season as a failure if we finish 10th or whatever. Um, it's just starting to kind of revise those realistic expectations now. Um, I'm not sure sixth is absolutely the lowest we can finish um, based on the fact that we have still got quite a lot of good teams to play. Mm. Um, and obviously, one, th- one key thing actually that we should mention that hasn't been talked about a lot is the fact that we've been able to name basically the same side week in, week out. Yeah. And any f- changes that we've made have been tactical changes rather than enforced by injury. Whereas if you look at a lot of teams at the moment, Manchester United, Arsenal, probably two of the main exponents of this, they're, they're creaking at the seams with injuries already. Um, whether or not that's a, a kind of knock-on effect of having more international players that do more miles and compete in tournaments like the Copper America this summer is a different argument. But basically, if we were to lose our best two players um, in, in Mares and Vardy, I think the situation would look very, very different now um, from the start of the season. You know, look at Bournemouth. They've got maybe four really key players injured mm. without Wilson. Uh, Max Gradle, Tyrone Mings. Um, you know, they've they've really been kind of absolutely devastated yeah, by injuries. So we and have, Wilson are the other two. Yeah, we've been quite lucky, really, with without having kind of any major knocks. So fingers crossed that continues, and then we can we can look forward to um, to finishing in the kind of top six or seven. Hopefully, based on how well we're playing at the moment, it's difficult to see us um, not finishing in in Europe if we carry on producing anywhere close to the level of performances that we are now. Yeah, another side really struggling with injuries is West Ham now look like they'll be without Lanzini, Moses, and uh, even Winston Reid now for a while on top of already having lost Payet and Saka. So things also unraveling there from the injury front. I am actually going to jump ahead of Gitto here because his uh, talking about Swansea is actually going to lead very nicely into the topic. Uh, It'll be a very brief bit from me because not much has happened at the club. Uh, Nasser Chadley and Nabil Bentaleb have returned to training and... uh, Nabil Bentaleb has made his uh, debut back from his ankle injury that's kept him out for a couple of months. I say that in present tense because this is happening during the Tottenham match. So if you hear any random shouting, please disregard that. Um, But glad to see them both with the team. Other than that, not much going on. Lamela has already scored a hat-trick in this match. Uh, Already spoke about last week's uh, match, which was quote-unquote disappointing at the time, but... As I mentioned during the stat, I mentioned at Jim, with so many teams dropping points, I think coming away from the Hawthorns with a draw uh, against West Brom really isn't that bad of a result. It was the worst performance we'd had all season, and to still get a point from it and extend our run uh, to 14 unbeaten, I think, is perfectly acceptable. We just kind of hope we show up against a Newcastle side that surprised a lot of people with their performance against Liverpool last week. All right, having less great of a week is Gitto. Obviously, Swansea uh, sacking Gary Monk after a very long tenure at the club. I guess let's just start off with your personal reaction to that news. Um, like every single Swansea City fan, more than anything, it was just real sadness, if I'm honest. Um, uh, he's a real rarity. Um, he's played for us in every, in every single division. He's, he's I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying this, that he's captained us in every single division as well. I think he had, had captained us in a few games in League Two as well. Um, and then, of course, led us through all these promotions, um, got us to the Premier helped get us to the Premier League, um, took over as manager, did great things last season, really outstanding things. Um, and And... You know, he's, he, he is, the word legend is overused, but he is an absolute club legend. Um, but 
there was just an acceptance. I mean, we heard Jim there talking about the Leicester game, and um, I, 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 well, we were torn to pieces by Leicester. I mean, they they absolutely destroyed us on Saturday, and there was this horrible realization from everyone that actually this couldn't continue. It wasn't some, some something that we all enjoyed saying. It wasn't something that we wanted to believe. But it was something that was pl- quite plainly obvious to anybody who watched that match with, that nothing was going right and that there were no positive signs um, to suggest that anything was going to um, be turned around. Um, we've won just once in our last 11 games and that was against an absolutely diabolical Villa side when we were actually probably just as bad as them but were, had the superior quality to get the extra goal. Um, and, you know, people... I think one in one win in eleven. Ah, uh, yeah, it's not great, but you know you've heard of worse runs. But when you put it into in other contexts, and you say it's one win in three months, or it's one win in pretty much a third of a season, um, that's when you realise, yeah, things are things are quite bad there. We've um, we've dropped dramatically. We're only a point outside the relegation zone now, thanks to the wins to four Newcastle and Bright and Bournemouth, sorry, which were completely unexpected. Um, and, and that heaped more pressure on the board to do something. And it was really inevitable um, that, sadly, he was going to leave. And it, it, every, nobody's celebrating, nobody's glad that it's happened, even though it, w- it was predicted by everybody and even though everybody knew it was going to happen and that we all felt it was necessary. Nobody's celebrating, nobody's, uh, nobody's glad it's happened in any way. It's It's just really, really disappointing that, such an amazing, amazing man who's contributed so much to our club is having to leave in in really the wrong way. Yeah, I think uh, from a neutral perspective, I was very impressed with how he was basically called out of the dressing room and and given the keys to the manager's office mid-season and how well he did initially. And I think a lot of people are forgetting that three or so months ago he was being linked with the Liverpool job, if Rodgers lost it, being linked with the England job at some point. It's it's bizarre, our collapse over the last three months. Nobody can really explain it. Um, back in August, I mean, we started the season with a two-all draw against Chelsea and we really should have beaten them. Uh, we completely destroyed them at Stamford Bridge. Um, we had uh, a win against Newcastle, which was very comfortable, and then um, a win against Man United when Monk was being heralded as this tactical genius for the for the way he changed the system and outwitted um, Louis van Gaal and um, and then we were in the top four then alongside Leicester you know we we the two clubs looked like we were going to have similar seasons really um, but since then it's gradually just started unraveling and different parts of the team have started just started collapsing to the point where Actually, for the last few weeks, nothing has worked. Nothing has looked good. The team looked demoralised. Um, a lot of the players don't look motivated in any way. Uh, tactically, Monk has got a lot of things wrong in the last few weeks. That uh, is probably influenced by pressure, plus maybe the feeling that everything he tried was was failing and therefore needed to try something more drastic. Um, I think Jim will agree with me that we got our tactics completely wrong against Leicester. Um, defensively, we played into their hands by abandoning the fullback positions and allowing you know free reign for Leicester's most dangerous attackers. Um, so we we were tactically abysmal against Leicester um, and um, got well. We it, it should have been a lot worse if we're being honest. I think Jim was being kind, saying that 
Leicester rolled their luck. I think we rolled our luck um, a little bit more than that. Leicester could have won it by six or seven. Um, so yeah, it, it, nobody knows how it's happened. Uh, nobody knows what exactly has triggered this collapse, which is very scary, if I'm honest, because there aren't any obvious answers um, that, that could see things transform straight away. Um, but yeah, it, it, has, it is remarkable how quickly things have changed for Monk and for the club. All right. Now, uh, Jim, we often have you on and you mentioned that you're a betting editor and such. Who does it look like is in line to put, potentially take that job over at Swansea? Um, it, it's difficult at the moment because the one thing I will say about betting markets on next managers is that they're notoriously volatile. They change like no other markets that we deal with at all. Um, so, you know, someone can start the day at 33 to 1, like Avran Grant this morning, uh, be backed into second favourite, you know, at just under 2 to 1 within a matter of hours. You know, it doesn't take much to move a price like that. Um, that said, the story of the market so far goes Gary Monk was sacked. The immediate, the immediate link was to Brendan Rodgers, understandably, given, you know, his past time with the club and the fact that he's out of work. Um, so theoretically, you would think he would, you know, he would at least listen to Hugh Jenkins and the, the, the Swansea board if they had a proposal to make to him to bring him back to Liberty Stadium. Um, he then, as far as I'm aware, I'm not sure I've seen anything official about it, but then the market kind of took that price for a walk a little bit. And that's kind of hovered. He's kind of still there or thereabouts, but he's not anywhere near as close to favourite as he was yesterday, um, as we record. The names linked since then, um, David Moyes, um, Avram Grant again this morning, and, and weirdly Ryan Giggs in the last couple of hours um, amid some reports that, that he could be set to kind of be at least on a shortlist, um, which certainly an interesting um, appointment if it were to be made because, you know, he, he obviously has been earmarked to succeed Louis van Gaal as, as we've been led to leave at Manchester United. Um, I don't think United are going to make a serious play for Pep Guardiola in the summer now. I think Manchester City um, and possibly you know someone like PSG could could kind of fight it out for his signature with City in pole position. As far as I'm aware and the understanding that we've got of the situation, um, so you know Ryan Giggs taking a role like that opens up a whole new can of worms because Van Hal still has a year left on his contract and and how that would work. Um, but certainly, you know, seeing what Gary Neville's taken on at Valencia, maybe Giggs does feel that he needs to prove his managerial stripes somewhere else before taking such a big job, despite the fact he'll have worked under the previous um, the previous manager for several years. So, you know, it's a very, very open market at the moment and no one seems to be kind of be able to get a real handle on it. So it's going to be interesting to see how it develops. You know, the fact that I've just mentioned those names, they could be out of date by the time this gets edited and put up, you know, these things change at the drop of a hat. So I'd be interested to see, um, you know, the Swansea perspective on things and who they'd want as their manager, because it's a club that values um, style and approach more than, you know, almost any club I can think of. You've got the Manchester United fans, you know, getting on Louis van Gaal's back for demanding attacking fluid football but if you look at the managers that have come through at Swansea in the last eight nine ten years you've got the likes of Paolo Sosa, Roberto Martinez, Brendan Rodgers all kind of good exponents of attacking fluid football um, and their appointments have been as much in their approach and their willingness to carry on the job done by the previous manager who's bit, then gone on to bigger and better things in the majority of cases so you know that's going to be a huge 
element of consideration for the Swansea board, I think. Yeah, Gitto, he mentioned some names there. Do any of them resonate with you, or do you have a candidate you're kind of eyeing? Uh, if you look back through um, our recent history, all our managerial appointments have been real left field ones. I mean, we we took we appointed Martinez when he was um, on the bench for Chester um, in League Two. We appointed Brendan Rodgers when nobody was looking at him because he'd not succeeded at Reading. Um, we brought in uh, Paulo Sousa, who wasn't really catching, you know catching anybody's attention after QPR. He's now second in Serie A with um, Fiorentina. Um, and then Laudrup as well was a random one which nobody predicted. And of course, Gary Monk was, you know, nobody thought that he'd, he, nobody even considered um, giving him the job. But, um, you know, they've all worked out. Uh, they've all done great great things in uh, in, in their time at Swansea. And um, it's, um, yeah, there, there's no, my, my advice to any betters would be just, don't put any money on on the uh, next manager um, uh, field because because you can never tell with our club. There's no point guessing who it's going to be. Some of some of the names are so random. They are just guesswork by the bookies because they need somebody to give odds to. I mean, I've just quickly gone on the internet now and there's a story there saying oh Swansea being linked with Roberto Di Matteo. Mm. You know, the, there's a new name every hour. Nobody knows what's going on. I think. My gut feeling is that if the club had a choice, they would go back for Brendan. He is still a real favourite um, with the board. Um, I, I They have huge respect for him still. Um, he is available at the moment, but I, I don't think it's likely. I think he is looking to take a bit of an extended break from football at the moment because obviously he took an absolute battering at Liverpool for about a year and a half. So uh, you can't really blame him for wanting a rest. Um, in terms of likely candidates, they... they it's going Tim to be Sherwood. a shock. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> never, ever, ever, Tim Sherwood. Um, that's one of the names that every fan is just completely in, a, uh, in agreement about. Um, but yeah, He might moment, not be a great manager, but he's uniting everyone against him. Against him, against him, because the man is just... I, I'm not even going to say what I think about Tim Sherwood. It's, it's, it, it, would, it wouldn't be right. Um, I'd, I'd get sued, probably. Um, yeah, there, there aren't... I mean, the name of Marcelo Bielsa has been, um, I think it was about eight to one with the bookies, but I don't think it means anything. I mean, if we could get Marcelo Bielsa, I think it would be the perfect match for our club. It, it would really be the absolute perfect appointment, but I don't think it's realistic. Um, a lot of fans have said that they don't want David Moyes because of his playing style, saying they wouldn't suit the club. Um, it's not, you have to understand, when, when we as fans say that we need somebody who suits the the club style. That's not a point of arrogance or you know thinking that we're better than everybody else. It's just that we're looking at the players we've got and we're we're thinking about who would suit that best. Um, I'm actually not as opposed to David Moyes as a lot of people because I I do think his Everton team actually at times played um, quite, quite entertaining football. And uh, more than anything, he'll sort out the defence, which is what we really need at the moment. Yeah, even more than an attack. Um, which may shock some people. Um, other names, Mark Warburton, that, that's had a mixed response from people. Um, I, I was a big admirer of what he did at Brentford in absurd conditions. Obviously, he's been doing a decent job up in Rangers as well. I wouldn't be opposed to Mark Warburton, but it is just a case of wait and see. Um, there is no point predicting who we're going to appoint. It is going to be something, somebody who shocks us. Um, and and the, the odds are just changing all the time. There's no point 
relying on them for anything. As soon as today they said Avram Grant is uh, on the shortlist, his agent came out and said there's been no contact whatsoever from Swansea. And then suddenly the, the odds changed again. Um, so th- there's no point second-guessing. You know, my, my advice would be to stay clear of that market um, and uh, just uh, keep, keep your money for the for the relegation but, uh, odds, really. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so if we're not going to name who the successor will be, where do Swansea as a club go from here to kind of get back to that status where they were, where we were thinking they'd be mid-table looking up instead of down? Uh, oh, th- there's so much that needs to change at the moment. First of all, the players are um, looking pretty demoralised, if I'm honest. There um, have been a lot of accusations against players for uh, not performing as well as um, they should have. That's certainly true of some players. Uh, we've looked massively disorganised in recent weeks. For the last three months, we've been conceding very soft goals, making a lot of stupid mistakes. Um, it's well publicised, our lack of goals. We're not creating anything. Baffertimby Gomez's loss of form is... Um, well, it, it's caused a massive amount of problems. He missed uh, a one-on-one chance against Leicester on the weekend, uh, which kind of sums up where he is at the moment. So the next manager, when they come in... they it's not tweaking a few things. There's there's no small changes that are going to lead to a big difference. They need to really change things quite quite drastically, if I'm honest. I think we need to change formation, personnel. January is a big month. I don't know how much money is going to be available for the new manager. The word is that there isn't going to be too much money, which is, again, a concern. We do need uh, reinforcements, especially in attack. Um so whoever's coming in, it's not simply a matter of telling the players, hey, come on, guys, you know, let's up our game and trying to inspire them and get the feel-good factor back at the club. It is a more difficult job than that. I think after the last three months, there are underlying issues um, with team morale, with formation, with um, the way basically the team isn't working together. Um, that really need to be addressed, uh, and it's it's an entire team job. It would be pointless pointing out all the different things they've got to do. It's it's just a massive job for whoever's taking over, and they've got to realise that you know the aim for this season is survival. Uh, nobody's looking at mid table. We want to we want to survive because we've been dragged right into this relegation zone. Uh, we've still got some tough fixtures coming up over the Christmas period, and um, we we could very easily find ourselves actually in the relegation zone this weekend. Well, I certainly uh, hope that doesn't happen. Jim, we'll turn this to you a little bit. Obviously, Gitto mentioned a, a little while ago there that you know Swansea fans were largely sad with the departure. Have you felt that way recently? What, what was the reaction from you guys when, when Pearson actually went? Not that time when mid-season we thought he had went, but he hadn't actually yet. It was difficult, I think, with Pearson. It's slightly different to, well, it's very, very different to, to the Gary Monk situation. Um, I suppose the similarity is that the club were riding a relative high when we sacked Pearson. And, um, you know, Gary Muck did do very well with Swansea uh, last year, you know, signed a new contract in the summer. So there was still probably a lot of good feeling there um, and willingness to kind of give him time and a chance. But with Pearson, the off-field antics almost became as much of a story, if not more of it, than the antics on the pitch, even when we were winning from impossible positions and kind of astound, you know, we talked about stats earlier indicating that we couldn't finish any worse than sixth. Um, I'd love to know what those same statisticians were saying when we were 
10 points adrift of safety with 12 games to go um, and started on an incredible run that saw us win, you know, 10 out of our last 12 games. So it, it was difficult because the, there was a lot of good feeling towards Nigel still f- amongst the fans, I think, um, if not the media, f- for the way that he treated them and the way that they treated him and vice versa. But he took us from you know the brink in League One all the way back up to the Premier League in two different spells. Um, so there was a lot of time for, for Pearson. It, it didn't feel like quite as much of a loss as, I guess, um, the, the Swansea-Gary Monk thing does. But then our, our main issue was we seem to have cut him down in his prime when we thought he would be well-placed to kick on this season with a squad that had just kind of found their feet at the right time. And who's to say, you know, I think Claudio Ranieri has acknowledged this several times that a lot of the good work that, that is happening this year is built upon the foundations that Nigel Pearson has instilled at the club and a lot of the backroom staff are still very much the same. Um so we don't know how Nigel Pearson would have done this year with the squad that we've got. It's unlikely he would have had us top of the league um, because Claudio has changed a few things. But, you know, even some of the signings that are excelling now, the likes of Okasaki, who's done OK, not necessarily excelling, but, you know, Christian Fuchs, who definitely is excelling and is fast becoming a bit of a club legend. Um, you know, those signings were made under Pearson and it was kind of difficult for us to comprehend why he'd been chopped down if the club had gone through what they'd been through with him off the pitch, surely we owed him the opportunity to prove what he could do f- with another fresh start. But again, you know, off-field antics do have probably as much of an impact as on-field. Um, and you know, if Gary Monk, Gary Monk came out and said, "I take responsibility for the results; these are on my shoulders, no one else's." Fair enough. The guy's not trying to blame any external factors. He's not saying that he hasn't been given the money to buy any players because he has. He didn't seem to have an answer, to be honest. Um, and, you know, when you're in a situation like that and you have a chairman who is probably looking over his shoulder at the fact that you're uh, one point above the relegation zone with a team that hasn't won any more than once in, in three months, as Guter says, and there is a £100 million for coming bottom of the Premier League if you manage to stay up this season. And, and even if you finish bottom next year, it's a £100 million paycheck with a new TV deal. You know, the change needed to be made and... You know, that's it is football. You know, Gary Monk, although it was a gutting decision, I'm sure, to see him leave after so long, you know, can absolutely hold his head up high, even with the last three months on his CV. I'm sure he won't struggle to get another job. I'm sure there'll be clubs snapping at his heels, either in the Championship or maybe even another Premier League club willing to give him a go based on his achievements last year. You know, the guy has only just been in management for 18 months, two years, and he managed to take Swansea to their highest Premier League points tally. so he, his CV is, you know, shouldn't be diminished from that. Yeah, I, I think this is an interesting one. I think probably the most, um, I don't know if undeserved is the right word, but when, when Andre Villas-Boas was sacked, I think many people knew that that decision had very little to do with him. And I think that that might be a little bit how Swans are feeling at the moment, that because of everything else at the club... That's the easiest thing to kind of change things up. Um, AVB notoriously did not have a very good relationship with Daniel Levy, which is an issue, uh, as he is the chairman of the club. But considering everything he did uh, with Gareth Bale, and Bale came out many times talking about how he developed 
because of AVB and his dossiers of information that you would get after every match on decisions and like photos from above the pitch on how you could have done something differently. It was a very intellectual approach, which I think uh, alienated a lot of people for some reason. It wasn't in the spirit of it. People were still uh, largely in love with Harry Redknapp, and that was a very divisive departure where he had kind of halfway given up in pursuit of the England job uh, and cost us Champions League qualification that year as we did finish fourth but knew that that could happen. But if Chelsea won, they would still... Uh, take our Champions League spot away, which is is what ended up happening. But yeah, there hasn't been anything like this. The closest thing is Tim Sherwood, who both played for Tottenham and then managed us. But I don't think anyone was very upset when he left uh, in particular. But I think this is all uh, to say just... I don't know. I, I think that, again, Monk has been dealt a bad hand here. And I'm not sure I've seen anybody really mentioning it. Most people... Uh, as Gato mentioned, just kind of sad that it had to come to this. But to what extent do you maybe not blame, but hold the actual players accountable, considering the close relationship that we've all been told that they had, as many of them were still players when he was even on the team before he took the management job, that weren't really able to turn things around when, in an eleven-match period, as everyone keeps saying. I blame them a lot. Um, I, th- I think there are a lot of players who need to take a long, hard look at themselves in the mirror. Uh, as professionals, they just haven't done enough. Um, a lot of the games in the recent run, they've just not put in the effort. I mean, Baffer Timmy Gomez is one who um, is constantly accused of not having his head in the right place. And I think in a lot of games, that's been a very fair criticism. Um, th- there, there are defenders who've just completely switched off and not not done the basics right. Um, players like, even someone like Ki Sung Young, who excelled under Monk. I mean, Monk got Ki Sung Young probably playing the best football of his of his entire career last season. And um, this season, he hasn't really looked interested in a lot of games. Um, someone like John Joe Shelby, you know, he's maybe not had his head in the right place uh, in, a, in, in a lot of games. Um, you've got players who have worked hard, but it just hasn't worked out. I mean, Gilfie says, and we've talked so long about him. I, I, I can't fault him for his lack of effort, but there's something wrong there form-wise, uh, which has made a big difference to the team. Um, so there are some players who've just lost form for some reason or another, but there's no real excuse for the lack of effort and the lack of um, and, and the poor attitude, it seems, a few of the players have been showing. Uh, and that's really angered a lot of um a lot of players because a lot of fans, sorry, because these players have basically got Gary Monk sacked. Um, they've got a very good man and a very popular manager. Um, to well, they've lost they've lost him his job, um, and I think, um, well, the, these players have maybe got what they wanted and get rid of Gary Monk. Uh, I'm not sure if that's fair or not, but um, you know he's gone now, and if if things continue the way they are at the moment, the, the fans won't be turning on the new manager, so they'll be turning on the players. Um, and that's something that we don't really tre- tend to do at Swansea. So um, it'll be interesting to see what the players' reaction is now to Gary Monk's uh, sacking, um, because a, a lot of fans are very, very angry about the way they've behaved over the last few weeks. Yeah, and I guess kind of lastly on this topic, if he doesn't find a management job soon, do you think that they would kind of find a position for him within the club, considering everything he's done there? He'd always be welcome back, but I, I, my 
guess is that he is going to want to carry on the management. He's still very young. Um, I, I think he's. I think he's still going to have a very good reputation, despite what's happened in the last three months. I know some. It, it's strange, isn't it, how a manager just suddenly turns from the best thing since sliced bread to um, no better than the dirt underneath your shoe. Um, but I, I really do think that Gary Monk has, has proven um, during his time at Swansea that there is a very good manager there, and that he is tactically astute, and he he is. Um, He's very good at the media as well, which is obviously a big plus. Um, he's English, which is what you know so many clubs want. Um, he's, I, I think he would be a great appointment for for a lot of um, for a lot of clubs. My feeling is that he will probably have to go down to the Championship, just because it's so competitive in the Premier League um, at the moment, um, man, manager wise. Um, so he may have to go down to the Championship, but he would be an unbelievable signing for any championship club and he'd be a very good signing for a lot of Premier League teams as well yeah no arguments here alright uh, we will now move on uh, from there to player watch where we're going to quickly discuss who the best fantasy options are at our clubs for this week uh, we'll start off with Jim and Lester uh, to come immediately to mind yeah Vardy and Morris have got to be um, I think they're pro- the thing is with Vardy and Morris. I think if you haven't already got them in your fantasy team, you've kind probably of not. The bus. Gonna, yeah, you're probably not going to put them in now because a the price is escalated to the point where you're paying over the odds for them, I guess, because they're owned by so many managers. But also, we have got quite a difficult run of games coming up. So yes, Chelsea is a potential big scalp, and they're not in the best of form. Played midweek, you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then we have got to play uh, Manchester City. Uh, both Liverpool and Everton in a relative short period of time. Um, so it's it's very difficult necessarily to kind of to, to put them in now, I guess, if you haven't already got them. Some people will, I guess, because maybe some people will be taking mm. them out. But I think the player that I would put in, I mentioned him a few weeks ago, and I still think he's a great fantasy uh, pick is Christian Fuchs. Now, kind of... We didn't start the season with Christian Fuchs at fullback. So we started with Jeff Slup on the left, um, who's our kind of converted left back. Um, he was a striker and then he converted to left back in the championship season, purely, basically for one game against Watford in the second leg of, um, in the first leg of the playoff semi final when they had Ikichi Anya on their wing and we were worried that Paul Koncheski would get ripped to pieces by his pace. And Jeff Slut was basically put there because he was quick and strong. And, and that started him down the path of being converted to a fullback. And he's never really looked back since. And he's kind of made that position his own or had done until Fuchs came in. But the, Fuchs, is, he's, he's another level. He's, not only is he a good defender and we're actually starting to keep clean sheets at the moment, how many we'll keep over the next six weeks with the games that we've got is, is questionable, obviously. But the main thing for fantasy is that he could, he could chip in almost every single game with outfield kind of assists and, you know, um, not necessarily goals, but certainly the assist side that you would expect from a midfielder, not only because he has an amazing free kick delivery, um, as we've seen, you know, I don't know why he wasn't on set pieces as soon as he was in the team. Hmm. Um, We've seen at Schalke, he was one of the best set piece takers in the entire division. Um, the guys played Champions League football and was the set piece taker at Schalke. 
So I don't understand why he wasn't on free kicks from the beginning for us. But he's also got an absolute cannon of a long throw as well. I think he could probably throw the ball as far as he needed to wherever he wanted to from inside the opponent's half. Um, I think with a long enough run-up, he could probably launch it from halfway into the opponent's area. So he's going to chip in this season with assists and stuff from that side. So I think if you're looking for a relatively cheap addition and you want to swap in someone who not everybody's going to have in their team, then Christian Fuchs is probably the one um, coming up to some some really big games. Yeah, uh, any uh, quick take on Albrighton? Yeah, Mark Albrighton is, is, again, he's unbelievable. I can't believe Aston Villa let him go on a free transfer. Like I know he probably wanted more money than they were willing to pay, and perhaps they hadn't seen the best of him to justify a pay packet that was in the region of, I think, £30,000 was the package that he wanted. Um, He has been brilliant for us. Not only does he provide um, assists, but he really stretches the game. He's an out-and-out winger. And in the days of, you know, the modern game where everyone wants to be an inverted winger, like Mares is a perfect example of that, a winger whose first intention is to not only do a, a step over and a trick, but to cut inside and have a shot, Albrighton's is the exact opposite. He'll beat you with pace. He hasn't got that many tricks, but he'll beat you with pace, get to the byline and put a cross in, which is brilliant because when those two players are working in tandem, so if Mahrez isn't playing behind a striker and he's playing out on the left and Albrighton's on the right, then Albrighton stretches the game so much that it means that that cross-field ball to Mahrez is always on. And it means that when he gets the ball, he's got a ridiculous first touch anyway, as we saw against Swansea for the second goal. He just kills the ball stone dead with one touch. And he does it every single time in the warm-ups as well. It wasn't a fluke. He's, he's insane. Um, but the, the fact that Albrighton is able to stretch the play and, and make the pitch seem you know, 10, 20 yards wider than it actually is, the defenders are so kind of out of it by that point because they're chasing Albrighton on one side that when Mahrez gets the ball, he's normally got 10 yards of space to operate in before they try and double-team him, which you know opens the play up so much. So Albrighton is kind of one of the unsung heroes of our team. He, he does a lot of the work that, yes, he gets assists and stuff, but a lot of it goes unnoticed when you start putting the headlines on the likes of Vardy and Mahrez. Um, but they do owe a lot to the kind of industry of players in the midfield like Albrighton. All right, thanks. And uh, Gitto, we just talked about how disappointing all of the Swansea players have been. So who do you think will perform best away to City? Oh, God. <laughs> right? Any, like, you don't even get a Man reprieve City this player? weekend. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's yeah any Man City player, really. Um, that would be my advice. But um, Oh, you know City. Boney's going to score, too. And it's yes, just going to be yeah, awful. Yeah. If Aguero's out, still out injured as well, um, Boney will definitely score. There's no doubt about it. Um if you're going to go with anyone for Swansea, I'd say Ayu because maybe he will be played in behind the striker in the centre um, this week. Um, he was a lot more effective when he was shifted into that position against Leicester and um, Gilfie Sigerson didn't have a good game again and he may be dropped. Um, but, I mean, the, the team's going to be managed by uh, Alan Curtis who is uh, one of the nicest men in football. Again, club legend. Um but uh, he, he's over 60 now and uh, he wasn't really taking, I didn't think he, I don't think he had a very hands-on role in the coaching um, under Gary Monk. So um, to see him take charge of the team, I'm, I'm not too confident that he's going to try to change things drastically in terms of tactics and, um, 
uh, and uh, t- well, player selection. Um, and, and defensively, we're, we're shapeless at the moment. So going to the Etihad is not the the, the best place to go. Um, I wouldn't really advise you to put, pick any Swansea players. Um, I would, in fact, advise you to pick a few Man City players, Sterling perhaps. Um, he could really tear Kyle Norton to pieces at the moment. Actually, Kyle Norton wouldn't get anywhere near um, Raheem Sterling uh, at the moment because Kyle Norton is permanently in the opposition half. Um, along with Neil Taylor, so mm. um, yeah, go go for Sterling. Um, but yeah, actually, I, I, Jim was saying there about Christian Fuchs. Um, just wanted to say that was a great shout as well. He wouldn't cost you very much. He was brilliant against Swansea. Um, I don't know why he didn't start the season. Actually, I thought he was a great signing. Um, having seen him for Schalke, seen him play quite a bit for Austria in the European qualifying. He's a big part of their success. Um, I, I I think that's a great shout. And Mares obviously. Since he was in the championship, he's been sensational. So, um, yeah, Leicester and Man City are my picks for who you should pick. <laughs> for Swansea. Yeah, yeah, those are the Swansea players you should pick. <laughs> Fair enough. Actually, kind of speaking of uh, left backs that were kind of inexplicably not starting, except in your case he's hurt, Frank Tabano, was that a failure on Monk's part? Was that the player's issue? What what happened there? Yeah, they, they just that, that was a strange one. He's a brilliant player. Um so I played for San Etienne quite a bit la- um, over the last two years, and he'd always impressed me. He had a lovely left foot, um, good defender, and got forward. I thought he was going to be. We all thought that he was going to be a real challenge to Neil Taylor, um, and he's not featured at all. There's obviously been a falling out there between himself and Monk. Um, they clearly didn't see eye to eye. Um, and when he's back from injury, he may be the kind of player who um, fancies a resurrection. Um, now that um, now, now the monks out the picture. Um, he is a very good player. It, it is, um, it, it is a regular topic of conversation among Swansea fans. Why hasn't he been playing? What has gone on there? Something clearly has. We won't know the ins and out of it for many a year, probably. Um, but he's a very good player that hasn't been given a chance, and that's not really right, if I'm honest, considering our defensive problems. Yeah, fair enough. Um, for Tottenham, it depends on how much you want to pay. It's either Harry Kane against the Newcastle defense that has been notoriously leaky throughout the season, although they did perform well uh, against Liverpool last week. Or if you want a good fifth midfield option, Della Ali has obviously been very impressive, looks to continue his streak. Uh, in midfield, Eric Dyer picked up a little bit of a knock today. I would expect him to be able to start next to Ali at the weekend. Dembele fighting off illness. I really think where things are going to get interesting is the the three in front of Ali and Dyer, where we've seen Dembele play, we've seen Chadley, we've seen Sun, we've seen Lamela, and we've seen Eriksen. And there are only three spots there. Um, so I'm I'm a little hesitant on most of those with Eriksen, probably the only one locked on. As I mentioned, Lamela just scored a hat trick today. Uh, and Tommy Carroll scored. Uh, buy him, please. Um, he He's not ever going to break into our side, and, and I think he, he was well thought of when he was over at Swansea. So uh, make that happen. But yeah, I, I think Ali and Kane are, are the easy choices this week, with Kane an excellent captain choice uh, against Newcastle's defense. Uh, and now we will quickly go through previews, where we'll kind of rehash what we just talked about in fantasy, because I just realized that that's kind of what we do. But it's fine. <laughs> we will do match previews, and we will lead off with uh, Gitto and the Swansea's match, again, traveling to the Etihad. Uh, yeah, we, we, we're we going to um, 
we're going to get thrashed at the Etihad. Um, it's it's not going to be pretty. Um, we have actually played reasonably well against the biggest uh, clubs uh, this season. Um, obviously, that that doesn't count Leicester um, um, because I don't know they, people still don't seem to think they're a big club, even though they're right at the top of the league. Um, but generally, against um, Spurs, Everton, obviously Manu, Chelsea, even Arsenal, we played reasonably well against them. Um, defended well well against Liverpool, so there is some hope. But uh, generally speaking, I think we're going to lose three 0 all right, uh, yeah, with Tottenham, Newcastle, already mentioned Harry Kane. think that he, he might have himself a day with Newcastle's current defensive issues. They brought Williamson back, and then he promptly got hurt. Mbemba has not been the player that he was at Anderlecht. Colacini, I can't stop seeing uh, uh, kind of David Luiz-esque shadow. Um, but I, I'm really not worried about that. I do rate Daryl Yanmak quite highly. Um, but they're also without Haidara, who I think was developing f- nicely on the left. Obviously, he's out with Dummett replacing him. So I think I think we could be in for a pretty big day, especially if they're kind of resting on last week's performance. Uh, and we're kind of disappointed after last week's and or rolling from today's uh, Europa League performance. So I think we will be able to win this one kind of tidily. It's impossible for us to keep clean sheets because we don't have the concentration uh, to, for an hour, a full hour and a half. Um, but I'll say we'll probably win this one 3-1 with, I'm, I'm going to say, a cane brace just to make things even more awkward when I'm wrong. Um, and Jim, uh, what do you see when a top-of-the-table team is facing a side in mid-table, the mid-table side obviously being Chelsea, with Leicester top-of-the-table? It's going to be really interesting because the main criticism being leveled at Leicester so far, this kind of campaign, is, oh, they haven't played anyone that good yet. Despite the fact that we have played some good teams, Tottenham, we drew with them. You're welcome, by the way. <laughs> Arsenal, <laughs> they absolutely spanned us. Now, that is the result that a lot of people would point to. But with Chelsea, they're still being classed as a big team and yet they're performing like relegation candidates. Like, if you, you know. swapped the names of Chelsea and Leicester, nothing is surprising. Oh, yeah, like... No, yeah, no one would be surprised to hear that we were hovering around like 14th, 15th and that Chelsea were top of the league given that they were the overwhelming favourites at the beginning of the season, the defending champions and expected to just steamroll everyone in front of them and win by you know 15 points and have it wrapped up by April. Um, so all their players of European um, origin could have a sit down before the, the Euros. But um, I think... It's going to be a really, really intimidating atmosphere. I think the way that Chelsea are playing at the moment, we know they're vulnerable. And I know they had a really good performance against Porto in the week in the Champions League, which, you know, but they've been, they've been decent in the Champions League pretty much all season. Um, so that's no surprise to see that they perform better in the Champions League. The battle that I'm kind of looking forward to, and it's not really something I've mentioned very much um, on the pods in the last few weeks, is the battle between... Robert Huth and Diego Costa. <laughs> so, someone could lose an arm or a leg in that battle, and I don't think it'd be Robert Huth. Now, Diego Costa likes to wind people up, and if he tries to do that to Robert Huth, I think he might just pull out some wrestling move on him and just put him on the ground, because Huth doesn't take any issue from anybody. He just goes out there and he's quite happy to put one on an attacker and let him know that he's there. And if he does that to Diego Costa, I think he just could just 
send him into a tailspin of just complete farce. Um, mm. So that's going to be an interesting battle. I hope there's some kind of player cam on them, like the whole game, <laughs> because that would be a really interesting like DVD to watch back um, following the match. It's going to be interesting, as I say, it's kind of difficult to know what Chelsea are going to turn up. Are you going to get the Chelsea that turned up and put in a half-decent performance uh, against Tottenham a couple of weeks ago? Um, the team that have, have drawn some high-profile games, they've done okay, or the team that are going to turn up and get completely turned over like they did against Everton earlier in the season um, at Goodison Park, or the team that, that lost to Bournemouth um, despite having you know 60% of the possession, probably more than that, um, when you look at the stats from that game. I would say I'm still pretty confident we can turn them over. I think they're ripe for an upset still um, in terms of the, the small team and in inverted commas being the big team. I would probably go 2-1 to Leicester if I had to make a prediction. That would be news indeed and could uh, push Mourinho to, to possibly be the next one uh, on the chopping block. So, oh, that uh, would be brilliant. I'd love that to happen. Yeah, I'd, right. I'd, yeah, I think that would almost make me as happy as qualifying for the Europa League. If, <laughs> if you sacked got Mourinho. Sat. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's not it's not the worst shout, especially considering that Newcastle seemed to be fine with what uh, McLaren's doing, and obviously he got the result last week, so uh, I don't think that's a, a bad shout at all. All right, well, we are out of time, so if you have any projects you'd like to plug or want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Thanks for listening, guys. I've been Jim. Um, I'm the Leicester City representative for the EPL Roundtable. If you want to give me any abuse on Twitter about anything that I've said about you, your club, or Diego Costa <laughs> fans or whatever, you can get me on Twitter at JimKnight88. Um, I'm also the chief betting editor for Goal.com as well, so any Swansea fans that are interested in seeing which names are being linked with your club over and over again, even though it's not going to happen, uh, you can read the latest about that at Goal.com as well as all your kind of betting previews for the upcoming Premier League games as well. So feel free to head over there if that is your uh, is that your inclination. Yeah, if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, it's at Gitto Llewellyn. Um, and if you uh, want to catch up with uh, more Swansea City fans' opinions, uh, the Jackcast uh, is actually a two-parter this week. Uh, the second part has just gone up yesterday. Um, so if you want to listen to our opinions before and after the Monk sacking, um, quite an interesting listen. So you can find that at the Jackcast. Yeah, and I am your host, Kevin DeVries, at KevRoff on Twitter. Uh, you can find my writings over at blog.playtago.com and theeaglesbeak.com, where I have a weekly fantasy article uh, discussing price points and who you should bring in and who you should drop from your fantasy team. Uh, and also host of the FPL Roundtable, which uh, went up on Thursday morning, Friday morning, Thursday morning, uh, and we had uh, at FPL Hints, the, the fantasy chief on, and he was excellent, so be sure to give that a listen if you are interested in fantasy. And so with that, I will thank you very much for joining us, guys. It's been a pleasure as always, and we hope you keep listening. Mm-hmm.